Hello, health investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Jennifer Tarani. Jennifer has completed a master's in human nutrition from Texas State University and training in dietetics from Emory University Hospital. She's a member of College of Dietitians of Ontario and registered with the Commission of Dietetic Registration. Jennifer believes that eating healthy does not have to be boring, time-consuming, or expensive. She is extremely passionate about helping you adopt an anti-inflammatory eating pattern without restrictions. She doesn't believe in diets and instead thinks you should make small, sustainable lifestyle changes to help you find a balance in your everyday life, including trying to keep your favorite foods in the mix. In fact, her mantra is, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, and you feed him for a lifetime. In her virtual nutrition practice, she focuses on helping clients adopt a non-restrictive, gut-healing, anti-inflammatory eating pattern to help with weight loss, prevent and manage chronic illnesses like diabetes, and also autoimmune conditions like rheumatoid and osteoarthritis, fibromyalgia, lupus, and IBD. In the episode, Jennifer shares tips for managing chronic pain with nutrition, common misconceptions about anti-inflammatory diets, a few of her favorite inflammation-busting spices, and more. Before we get to the interview, I want to share one of my absolute favorite resources with you. I used to think that healthy eating meant I had to spend tons of money on groceries And I really did used to spend a lot of money on food, to be honest. That is, until I discovered ThriveMarket.com. Thrive Market is an online grocery platform that's essentially a mix of Costco, Whole Foods, and Amazon. Ordering healthy groceries on Thrive is so easy, but that's not what I love most about it. What I love most is the money I save. Since Thrive cuts out all middle people, and ships everything directly to your door, you can save anywhere from a few cents to several dollars on a single item. Order after order, your savings really do add up, which is how I was able to save over $1,000 on healthy groceries just last year. I could go on and on about Thrive Market because it's been such a game changer in my life, but I know you're eager to get right to the episode. To read my full review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash thrivemarket, or just click through the link in the show notes. And now I quickly want to share an Apple podcast review with you. Aleshi11 rated the Health Investment Podcast five stars and wrote, I love Brooke's podcast. Not only does she host a diverse group of speakers, but she always asks questions that you didn't realize you wanted the answers to. Her podcasts are super informative with easy, actionable tips that help you get started and maintain your health journey without feeling like you're missing out. I look forward to listening every week. Thank you so much for taking five minutes to write a written Apple podcast review, Alessia Levin. 
I truly cannot express my gratitude for this seemingly small action. Every written review provides me with excellent feedback and also makes the Health Investment Podcast stand out among the millions of other podcasts out there, which means I am able to reach more listeners. If you haven't left a written review yet, you can visit thehealthinvestment.com slash review to leave feedback of your own. All right, let's hear from Jennifer. Enjoy. I'm Brooke Simonson, certified nutrition coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks so much for joining me from Toronto. We were just talking about that you are not in the United States, but you obviously have lived here before. Um, Or I guess that's not obvious, but (laughs) you were just sharing that with me. But I love interviewing guests who live in different countries. And it's always kind of fun to hear, you know, if there's a different take even on nutrition that you see there versus here. I'd love to even talk about that. But thank you for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So what, in your own words, I guess, kind of what is your story? What made you want to become a nutritionist in the first place? Yeah, so um, actually, it's it's a bit of a long story. I'll try to keep it short. But I actually have a bachelor's degree in food science. And I had no idea about nutrition, like in food science degree, I I had a few classes on nutrition, but that's about it. And then um, I I was like, yeah, I'm going to become this product development manager at Nestle and develop all these food products. And you know, I was I was very excited about my degree. But when time came, I actually got an opportunity to visit India um, for a little bit. And uh, one of my friends, uh, she um, approached me and she's like, hey, can you do like a short little few sessions um, for uh, moms who are, uh, you know, who have toddlers and just teaching them about nutrition for toddlers. And I'm like, sure, I don't know much, but I can do research and I can kind of, you know, um, teach those moms and long story short I really enjoyed that experience I was like this is amazing this just fits so well with my extroverted personality like I love teaching and that was just a very heartwarming experience to see those toddlers eating yummy food and all of that so um yeah I went back to school I already had a master's degree at the time um so I have a master's degree where I did my uh, thesis on probiotic bacteria in dairy products so this was all after that right like I'm like I'm not gonna go back to school again this is it I already have a master's degree but then I went back to school and did like another master's degree and my thesis was actually on anti-inflammatory nutrition um and 
that's where everything started, right? So I did my master's and then I went and did my dietetic internship. It's just like a doctor's residency we have to go through like to become a registered dietitian. So actually, uh, we are registered dietitian nutritionists. Um, so uh, yeah, then I got my license and everything. And it, it was just like this, this is what I wanted to do. And I feel so blessed to be in this field now, um, helping so many people and changing lives. So that was my long winded answer, but I hope that made sense. No, yeah, that's really interesting. So what made you want to do your thesis on anti-inflammatory nutrition? Actually, that just fell in my lap. Um, my um, graduate professor, um, she was very interested in anti-inflammatory nutrition. And we did like a small study on cancer survivors to see if, you know, anti-inflammatory nutrition had any positive impact on their cognition post-cancer um, treatments. And it was a very short study. I got to present a poster at a conference. Um, but that's that's when I learned a lot about anti-inflammatory nutrition, specific foods, and all of that. And yeah, that's about it. But if you wanted to ask me about my hand, go for it. Then I'll continue my story. Ask. I'm sorry. I've asked about what? <laughs> ask about my. Oh um, right, right, right. Instagram Your handle, handle. on. Yeah. Yes. Well, I definitely do want to touch on that. Yeah. I, just before that, though, what were your findings on the treatment, the cancer treatment and the anti-inflammatory diet afterwards? Yeah. So, during? you know how our memory is like very like in different aspects, like the there's obviously, you know, it was five years ago and I didn't pursue just the cognition piece. But, um, you know, working memory, executive memory. So we found that uh, there was some uh, difference, but it wasn't significant because my patient population wasn't very big either. Mm, I see. Yeah. So yeah, so then tackling, because you have a really powerful presence on Instagram, addressing specifically chronic pain. Um, and so obviously the anti-inflammatory diet would go hand in hand with addressing those issues, as I'm sure you'll explain. But what exactly are you meaning when you say, and you reference chronic pain, what types of conditions are you speaking to specifically? Yeah, so uh, before I answer that question, I want to um, tell your audience a little story about why I even got interested in this topic per se, because I started off like any other dietitian, weight loss, you know, helping people lose weight. Um, however, um, as you know, growing up, actually, my mom uh, suffered from a chronic pain herself. It was a minor injury um, that was acute inflammation that, you know, ch changed into chronic inflammation and and one thing led to other, basically. So she had chronic lower back pain, spondylitis, um, and now signs of fibromyalgia. So uh, a Growing up, I didn't understand anything, right? Like my mom would just say no for going out with us, you know, for movies because you had to sit for three hours and like cooking was very, very difficult for her. But, you know, as a child, I didn't understand anything. I would just be very unhappy when she would not go with us or she would mm -hmm. say no. And then, you know, um, she would just take pain meds and she would, she would just tag along because, uh, you know, 
she wanted us to be happy and that being said i i saw my mom uh, struggle with that a lot and there is a lot of social stigma around it so my mom couldn't go um you know to social events like weddings and things like that and our south asian weddings are like 10 days long 5 days long and my right. mom couldn't like she had to say no all the time and you know all of these things were so invisible like she would tell i have pain and that's it right like uh, anybody would people would just think she's making excuses because she didn't want to go anywhere right she was more homebody but uh, now after growing up and you know connecting all the dots i i did a lot of research in this field before i even like showed up on instagram with this expertise right because i do have a masters in anti inflammatory nutrition but i did have to dig deep into research for autoimmune conditions for chronic pain so that's what got me really interested in this topic and um when i say chronic pain the conditions that i'm referring to is it starts with like post injury chronic pain so a lot of times athletes or people will um athletes will have injuries or you know um people will have car accidents and that you know that injury that acute injury or acute inflammation becomes chronic over time so then you know they it starts showing up differently in your body um osteoarthritis lupus fibromyalgia ankylosing spondylitis arthritis um chronic lower back pain like there are so many conditions that um present with chronic pain and not just mm-hmm. chronic pain there are other signs and symptoms but chronic pain is one of the most pertinent one and i know you said something about you know um how nutrition is different here so when i moved to toronto i was working at a clinic where there were chiropractors and physiotherapists uh, but no one was talking about nutrition and i was myself doing weight loss over there and i was like why no one is talking about this and then you know i started advocating more for this and you know becoming i became expert in the field specifically in this niche because i wanted to serve this population i see so do most people who have chronic pain does it usually start with acute inflammation from an injury or i know you mentioned like an autoimmune condition like lupus mhm so then how would that necessarily how does that start yeah so simply put we need inflammation you know like we we are acute inflammation is great we need that you know that's how we let's say if we chop our fingers or while chopping you know not chop our fingers <laughs> uh cut uh, uh like you know cut our finger while chopping yeah. vegetables or injure ourselves you know during um playing sports or anything we do want that um inflammation so that our wound is healed right uh, but mm-hmm. what happens is if it's not addressed or if it's not addressed properly through nutrition and other things like exercise physiotherapy then that acute inflammation can become a chronic inflammation and then it will start showing up in different ways and again chronic pain is like such a broad spectrum with autoimmune conditions per se uh, chronic pain is more because the body is attacking itself right 
mm-hmm. that your body can differentiate between your own cells and you know invaders and it starts attacking itself so simply put like a lot of people know what is hashimotos right it's just your thyroid gland at attacking itself and you know um you have hashimotos so the same thing you know uh, but the inflammation is more chronic it's it's not it's not like acute inflammation turned chronic is just it could be genetics it could be past trauma it could be like i said accident that you know you healed very well after the accident but then something you know uh, didn't heal in your body or some people just have um lack of good quality sleep after any of these events that may have happened in their lives um and stress you know we all know what role stress and lack of sleep plays in increasing inflammation so if somebody has inflammation does that person usually know because they have some type of pain or rash or external signal of that or are there a lot of people who have chronic inflammation and don't even know about it it's possible that they don't even know about it like a lot of times in my patients lab results i'm seeing them for diabetes right because uh, my full time job is in an endocrinology clinic so i see diabetes thyroid you know those kind of patients in my day job and i see that some of their crp uh, levels which is an inflammatory marker is very high but you know i i'm i'm there to discuss more diabetes management of course you know down the line i start um addressing those um inflammatory markers but i don't you know tell the patient directly because it's out of my scope of practice so i just let the doctor you know let the patient know but to answer your question it it may not show up for a long time either mm-hmm. you know because in our world we think like oh it's normal to be chronically stressed right but it's not normal um like covid happened right it's it's so like unexpected and people are stressed so it, a switch could go on and during covid you know people might start experiencing more pain in their body because you know it's it's all, also the um sensitization that people start to feel um due to stress and a lack of good quality sleep so pain can be very subtle or it can be very um you know obvious. Mhm. Yeah. So kind of be really in tune with your body and don't just write it off. I think we do that. We tend to do that of oh I'm getting older and I have all these aches and pains and yeah. we kind of laugh it off rather than thinking okay maybe something else is going on that I could address. Like I might not need to live with these pains for the last 40 years of my life. Yeah and I'm so glad you mentioned I'm getting old because we think of this as like old people's disease or old people like when you get old is only when you get aches and pains but I work with warriors who are like in their 20s 30s who have autoimmune conditions and suffer from this and I was just talking to a prospective client yesterday and she was like you know going to the gym all the time like crossfit and she hurt her back and she didn't she didn't she didn't take care of her nutrition at the time she probably she did physiotherapy and all of that and then you know one thing led to the other and she told me like i should have done this last year you know when i mm-hmm. actually injured myself because when you take action right away on inflammation then it's it's more likely that you can subside it 
Um, but again, every individual is so different. It's very hard to generalize. Um, but a lot of youngsters, you know, they, they work really hard at, in the gym, right? Like, and they do have minor injuries that is not like they, they overlook it. And then those injuries, actually, the that acute inflammation be, became chronic at some point. And in their 30s, 40s, 50s, it starts showing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is, especially if you get injured, or I would imagine have some type of or surgery. Or tra- trauma, even. Or trauma. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. important to realize that to heal properly, it's not just about the bandages and the wound care, Mm -hmm. you know, the cast, it's also keeping your body healthy internally, you know, through good nutrition. And it makes sense, you know, it makes complete logical sense, but I don't think that's talked about a lot. And I don't, I mean, I've had a couple surgeries in my life and never has a doctor said, you know, be sure you're eating Mm -hmm really healthy throughout your healing process to kind of support your body best. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. And I'm so happy you use the word healing post-surgery healing is completely like, it's another big topic, right? Like our protein needs increase, our zinc needs increase, our vitamin C needs increase because we want to heal. And a lot of people don't have good appetite and they're not well-educated on how to get all those essential macro and micronutrients to heal quickly right and reduce that inflammation Mm -hmm. post-surgery even wow yeah well and I'm sure this is something that kind of irks you or maybe not but I think a lot of people have kind of commandeered this term anti-inflammatory diet and it's really thrown around and everybody has a bit of a different take on it and doesn't have as much knowledge or schooling Mm -hmm. as you I think a lot of the time so in your opinion, what does that mean, an anti-inflammatory diet? What are you predominantly eating and not eating? Yeah, so anti-inflammatory, what it means is basically you're putting off the fire, right? So you're mainly eating more phytonutrients, antioxidant-rich, potent foods. Um, you know, my approach is... <laughs> People may think, oh, this is some kind of miraculous diet, right? Or eating pattern. And again, like my approach is so basic sometimes that I'm like, okay, let's just make sure we're eating phytonutrient rich fruits, vegetables, or healthy fats, get adequate amount of fiber, um, and make sure that our sleep quality is really good and we're managing our stress properly, right? So elimination, I mean, I don't go from an angle of elimination right away because um, the population I work with, especially autoimmune chronic illness warriors, like there's so much thrown at them and they're already super overwhelmed, right? They don't have a proper diagnosis, the doctor saying something, chiropractor saying something else, physiotherapist is saying something else, their um, maybe mental health therapist is say, saying something else, right? And they're just so overwhelmed that I don't like to start eliminating more from their diet because they've already tried everything, right? Like elimination is the first thing that is right. everywhere on Instagram or any kind of diets, right? Yeah. So I come from an angle of, the word addition, right? Like I look at their diets or what are they currently eating? And then I try to 
fill in those gaps and check off those boxes that are extremely basic but extremely important you know for gut healing for reducing inflammation um like i said getting enough servings of fruits vegetables fiber healthy fats all of those things and then you know definitely i i do an intense uh, review of their food and symptom journal because that is a big piece of my coaching however i i take my time with the client i i really make them feel like safe with foods and they they are i i don't like to say like okay we're just going to eliminate all this you know it just creates more food fear and anxiety and we don't need that so i i will review their journals and then only specific medical conditions call for specific eliminations like for instance gluten right not all autoimmune conditions mm-hmm. require um, or may it may require we just we are not there yet in terms of evidence um and it's not suggested for every single autoimmune condition it's only non celiac gluten sensitivity and celiac disease right and there is some evidence in fibromyalgia so i will look at my my clients like medical history their you know like their mental health their overall history with dieting even you know cuz maybe in the in the past few years they've tried dieting if they have had issues with weight gain you know because of their medical condition so looking at all of that and then figuring out like okay if there are specific foods that every time they eat they experience some pain fatigue brain fog then i will do the elimination but with a lot of caution mhm i love that and of course you brought up sleep and stress a couple of times already and a lot of these elimination diets that people kind of throw around can be very right. stressful <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's kind of you're trying to reduce stress but then yeah. if you're telling somebody to stop eating everything they're used to eating it's that's kind of counterintuitive. I mean, it's not, not helpful. helpful at all. Plus we are trying to heal their gut, not helpful at all. Yeah. It's just like a vicious cycle, you know, and then binging and feeling right. guilty and feeling stressed and then restricting again is just a vicious cycle. Right. Very in a stressful, yeah, stressful cycle mm-hmm. as well. So it sounds I love I do the same thing when I work with mm-hmm. clients one-on-one and in my group program we talk about adding foods in and you know that just is something a lot of people have never right. tried before and they're so used to hearing don't eat dairy, mm. don't eat gluten, don't eat anything out of a package ever. Um so dairy, that's another one that I see on Instagram all the time. People will say that it's inflammatory. Mm-hmm. I think I already know your answer, <laughs> but what would you say about dairy? Yeah, so it's very important to understand dairy like as a food, right? Like it's just not like one thing in it for example like it has fat it has lactose sugar and it has protein so if someone is allergic to dairy protein they would know right away you know like they would they would have rashes or they they would just throw be throwing up and they would be carrying an epipen right um and but mm-hmm. a lot of people do have lactose intolerance and what happens is over time like because of all these random eliminations your body just doesn't know how to process these things once you start eating them again right so that's one thing and number mm-hmm. two like i agree a lot of people may have lactose intolerance for sure um however fermented dairy is what i preach because of my masters in probiotics in dairy right like cuz i i have done my research 
during my master's degree and i know for for a fact that probiotic bacteria thrive in dairy matrix mainly we don't know anything about kombucha we don't know anything about sauerkraut kimchi great they are probiotic rich food and that is something that gets thrown around a lot too i just like to say they are fermented foods with some good bacteria we don't know if they are probiotic bacteria there's not enough evidence to support which specific strain is in kombucha or is in kimchi however when you see products in the market like activia they will say exactly which specific probiotic strain is in dairy and that just makes me happy because we know that the survivability of these probiotic bacteria is very high in the dairy matrix because of the way dairy is and then number 2 mm-hmm. if the survivability is high it will go to the gut and multiply there the probiotic strains and there are specific strains that are well researched and studied however with all these all of these other probiotic so called probiotic containing foods we don't know what we are consuming like it is increasing the diversity of bacteria which is great but it's hard to say which specific probiotic strain and what is it doing in our body right so yeah fermented dairy is right. something that i'm a huge advocate of and i make sure that my clients are tolerating it well if they are not then definitely i will recommend supplement if needed and not everyone needs a probiotic supplement to be honest either uh, we also don't have enough evidence in that aspect uh, with specific st- we do have some research in specific medical conditions and the role of specific strains of probiotics but um in autoimmune conditions not everyone needs a probiotic oh, okay so generally would you say if people are eating a lot of whole foods and like you said a lot of fruits and vegetables and fiber the average person may not need a probiotic supplement so all the sources that you mentioned they're their sources of uh, prebiotics right that feeds the right. probiotic you do need the probiotic right. but you if you have a healthy gut you have good bacteria there they just they multiply right they eat the food that you right. that you eat that and the fiber is their food and if you fuel your body really well and your gut is not you know um leaky gut and uh, you, the in, the number of bad bacteria is not high because maybe you know you were on antibiotics and that killed everything right so in that mm-hmm. aspect like yeah we need a probiotic supplement but generally speaking if you're eating those prebiotic rich foods then your gut should be healthy and if it's not then there are signs and symptoms that are pretty obvious um for people like gas bloating diarrhea chronic constipation uh, acid reflux heartburn um all of those things are um suggestive that the gut is not healthy right the recommendations so far that you've mentioned i mean they seem just kind of to be good recommendations for everyone mm-hmm. even if yeah. we're not suffering mm-hmm. from chronic some type of chronic pain so i'm wondering How does eating for chronic pain management differ from just healthy eating in general? Is there anything that your clients generally need to eat more of or less of? So the thing is this needs to be very individualized, right? Uh, anti-inflammatory right. eating pattern is a term that I 
kind of used to educate people on different social media platform. However, the warriors that come to me, it's not like plain, simple, trying to lose weight, you know, they do some have pre-diabetes, some have osteoarthritis, some have acid reflux, some have fibromyalgia and IBS. So they have like not just one thing going on, they have multiple things going on. And that's why I'm always like screaming on the rooftop and saying go to a registered dietitian because we've had 1200 hours of supervised practice in like different medical conditions so I can look at a client's medical condition and what they're telling me about it and kind of put it all together and tackle it one thing at a time when it's more generic approach nobody knows what medical conditions they have oh eliminate this eliminate that it doesn't work right so um mm-hmm. it's it needs to be very individualized and that's going to be de- like my approach is going to be dependent on what medical conditions they have and what micronutrient deficiencies they have uh, based on their medications based on what medications they are currently taking and that predisposes them in the future for things like osteoporosis and things like that right so that's how it's very different um, than general healthy eating, right? Uh, not all my yeah. warrior clients will be able to tolerate high fiber foods, especially if if they have IBS or if they have, you know, gastric issues or heartburn. Because, you know, sure, I, I'd say, yeah, eat a piece of dark chocolate. It's not a problem. It will boost your, it will improve your mood. But warriors with acid reflux, if they start having dark chocolate, they're going to suffer, right? So it's good for healthy eating, um, but not for, not doesn't work for everyone. Right. Yeah, that's such a good yeah. point. Is it possible for the people you work with, have you found that anybody's able to manage their chronic pain through nutrition alone? Or is it usually nutrition goes hand in hand with some type of medication? Yeah, so if someone just has chronic pain without any medical conditions, so autoimmune conditions that is progressive in nature, then they may be able to manage it with uh, with nutrition and um, cannabis is something that is um, becoming really, really mainstream now, especially uh, in the states where it's allowed and in Canada too. So that is one of the other approaches. Um, I have yet to take that approach. However, um, it it seems to be working and there's evidence. So yes, it can be managed. But if someone has autoimmune chronic illness, um, that is progressive in nature where their body is attacking itself, where the immune system is misbehaving and very overactive, then definitely they have to take medications. A lot of people try to do it just with diet and lifestyle. It won't work because it's autoimmune condition, right? Like there's no um, cure for it, you know? What I try to do Mm -hmm. with my uh, clients is more so help them manage their signs and symptoms, reduce the severity of the flares that they experience, teach them like, okay, if you have IBS that's triggering your fibromyalgia pain, let's tackle your IBS and let me teach you what you should eat if you have IBS so you don't have fibromyalgia pain right? So it's all very interconnected. But medication is first line of therapy. And as a dietitian, my job is to improve the quality of their nutrition so that their medications work better. And in a lot of clients, I've noticed that they start, um, the doctor starts reducing their medication because there are improvements now in their blood work, right? 
Mm-hmm. So I yeah, yeah, so that's the main goal for me, like improving their quality of life, helping their medications work better because their medications will just need to do an extra job or work harder or higher doses to calm the inflammation, right? But that is caused by lack of good quality sleep or stress or anything else or not eating uh, anti-inflammatory food. So what I'm trying to do is calm that so they don't need higher doses of medications because we know that there are a lot of side effects associated with medication and not just like physical side effects. It's also like mental side effects, gastrointestinal side effects, and all of those things. So my main goal is always to improve their quality of life. Right. You had a recent post, or maybe it was a couple Mm -hmm. weeks back, but about ginger. Yeah. And I was wondering, just what are some of your favorite anti-inflammatory herbs and spices that we could just be eating more of and Mm -hmm. adding to the whole foods we're eating? Yeah, so garlic is my favorite. I love like um, ginger powder, ginger root. Um, turmeric powder it go is part of my cooking again being South Asian that's everywhere in my cooking but that is a good one um, rosemary cinnamon basil cloves cilantro curry leaves you know I generally um, recommend that it doesn't hurt to include or toss one of one of these herbs or spice in each one of your meal, right? So because we cook eggs, for example, it's not hard to put some rosemary or thyme in our eggs or um, add some turmeric powder and black pepper in our eggs, right? Like it's it's super easy. It just hides it. and Like turmeric, for instance, it just hides. It doesn't impact the flavor, um, whereas the rosemary and, uh, or any other herb for that matter will just enhance the flavor of the meal. Yeah, I love that. So you've mentioned stress and sleep. I'm wondering for sleep, what is your recommendation, your magic number of hours? Obviously, the quality of this, the amount of time you're sleeping matters as well. But what is the minimum number of hours you say? Yeah, so again, it's not um, generic for me, because again, my clients are so like, they have pain, right? So they don't even get good quality sleep. And so putting a number uh, have this many hours of sleep, even if they had that much, that many hours of sleep, they would still wake up fatigue, you know, because of their medical condition. But what I emphasize on is eating foods that, uh, you know, help them at dinner time. So a lot of times, you know, people will just eliminate carbohydrates at dinner and they'll just eat protein and veggies, right? Veggies are great, but where's the carb? You need the carb. Um, to help with better quality sleep. So um, I always emphasize on eating like carbohydrates at dinner so that they have better quality sleep. I emphasize on sleep hygiene, um, nighttime routines. That is extremely important uh, for all my clients. And then, you know, that transitions into them having better quality sleep, right? Um, And then if when they wake up, they wake up with less stiffness or less fatigue and, you know, are able to have longer hours of work without, you know, feeling an energy crash because they have very limited energy throughout the day because of their medical conditions. Um, so I just emphasize on building those solid habits around nighttime so that they have better quality sleep. And sometimes I'll recommend like magnesium supplement depending on um, how well or poorly they sleep. If they sleep really poorly, then I may add that supplement depending on 
um, how they're doing with your, their overall diet. Hmm. What about exercise? I would imagine that hardcore exercise is probably kind of out of the picture when you're dealing with chronic pain, but you tell me what is what is the best way to go about that? Yeah, so again, exercise is out of my scope of practice as a dietitian because I don't have a degree in exercise physiology. So I tend not to speak on that topic very much. I will just refer my clients to um, physiotherapists or chiropractors. So I have these like uh, allied healthcare professionals in my you know, like reference list. But with my um, clients, they come to me wanting to exercise, right? They want they come to me wanting to have energy to exercise. So again, my goal is like, okay, if you're able to um, go for little walks or post uh, meals, if you're able to walk a little, and you know, if let's say on the weekend, you're able to run a little more, um, then that's great. Um, and it all depends on how, um, how bad their autoimmune condition is, or how, um, some have severe, some have mild um, symptoms. So it all just very much so depends on what they're able to do. I also know some warriors who are like personal right. trainers even, you know. So I refer my clients to personal trainers, yoga instructors, so they can really help them exactly with a tailored approach. You just posted um, today, I think, a video <laughs> on intermittent fasting. And I'd love if you could share your your thoughts about can intermittent fasting, um, maybe which pattern you would or wouldn't recommend, can that help with chronic inflammation at all? Yes. So intermittent fasting will help reduce inflammation, will help reduce better insulin sensitivity. Insulin is uh, the hormone that um, helps take care of the blood sugars, the carbohydrates that we consume that break down into sugar, our insulin takes care of that. And um, it, it helps with that. And it also helps with gut healing. Again, like I say, what is intermittent fasting? It's opposite of grazing, right? So yeah, see, it all depends. If someone comes to me and they want to try intermittent fasting, I'll fully support them and I'll design a plan around their intermittent fasting hours. Um, if they're really committed to it, and then I'll make sure whatever they're eating. So someone also made a comment uh, on the post. They said they're doing intermittent fasting and they feel better, but their cholesterol levels haven't gone down, right? So again, intermittent fasting is not a direct medical nutrition therapy for reducing cholesterol, you know? So when I will create their um, eating plan, I'll make sure that if they have high cholesterol, they're not just doing intermittent fasting. They're also including all the anti-inflammatory foods, foods rich in soluble fiber that will help lower their cholesterol, right? So it's not one size fits all. However, there is research for everything. You know, it's not that there isn't research like intermittent fasting, even keto. Like keto diet is more for epilepsy patient. However, it works for weight loss. It does work for a lot of people and they swear by it. And I'm like, yeah, sure. If it works for you, great. I'll fully support it, um, you know, and we'll try to make it as sustainable as possible. However, again, pinpointing on the fact that my specific niche of clients, they do struggle with eating enough in the first place. So again, my job is not to 
um, start again restricting in terms of time window because they're already very stressed, right? So this is just like an additional thing on their plate where they have to now think about intermittent fasting. However, you know, 8 p.m. if you stop eating, you start eating at 8 a.m. That's 12 hour fast, and that's plenty, you know. So that also works. And some some it all like I said, it's it it's needs to be very individualized, and it depends if it's sustainable or not. Right. And what's sustainable for one person won't be for another person. I mean, one person could love it and think, oh my gosh, the, this totally makes me feel less stressed Mm -hmm. because it's one meal that I'm having to worry about. And it's amazing. Whereas someone else may feel that doesn't work for them, right? That they want that kind of routine of eating in the morning or whatever it is. Um, But yeah, I love that kind of unique. And like, you know, if you if you're not married or if you're married and if you're someone who can kind of do that with your spouse or just on your own, it's great. But once you have a child or toddler running around and you're not sure when your next meal is going to be in that phase of your life, you're going to be like, okay, how am I supposed to sustain intermittent fasting? Right. Like it's also the phase of the life. Like like I said, I was just talking to a prospective client yesterday and she wanted my help mainly because now she's in a different phase of life, right? She, need, she needs a tailored approach to suit this phase of her life because she could do it on her own before when she didn't have kids, when she was all by herself, right? It's it's easy. It's easier probably to do that. But when you're in different phase of life, then uh, the approach needs to be changed as well and not the same approach will work that worked for you in the past. Yeah, I think that's such a great point and something that people don't think about, I think, enough or they start, like we were talking about the shame and guilt earlier, that whole cycle, maybe even feeling like they're doing something Mm -hmm. wrong because their body has different requirements than it did 10 years ago. But really, you know, just getting in tune with that is super important. Yeah, absolutely. So. I am so grateful for your time. And I ask each of my guests the final question, which is, in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? I think it's just an investment you make once, you know, like you would in a pair of shoes that you really wanted or a pair of like a dress that you really wanted, right? It's it's that one, maybe you wear a few times and then you're bored, right? But when you're investing in your health, it's like, this is my investment. I feel empowered now with tools and strategies and they're good to go. Again, uh, and in my group coaching program or my one-on-one program, I do teach warriors about how to make this lifestyle more sustainable in different phases of their life. Yeah, it's COVID now, but tomorrow it's not going to be and people are going to start traveling. They're going to start eating out. So you know, just investing in a healthcare professional who has an expertise um, versus doing trial and error. Again, trial and error, people can become successful. Um, However, it's also um, once and for all, you invest and you get all you need. It's a very step-by-step approach and you're you're good to go, right? Um, It's like if your car had issues, you would go to a mechanic to get it fixed. So I just use that analogy because I'm like, yeah, nutrition, everyone seems to think that it's very easy peasy and, you know, few recommendations they can follow, but it's not like that. It it really requires an expert's eye to really help. And I'm sure you see the same thing with your clients. 
Yeah, for sure. I love that analogy. We trust experts in other aspects of our mm-hmm. life, and we don't usually go to Instagram yes. to figure out how to fix <laughs> the car engine. But then, you know, it's so tempting, I guess, to try the diet or something that your friend's cousin right. tried and lost 10 pounds. But people, I think, end up wasting more yes. money mm-hmm. and time mm-hmm. just kind of trying all these different things that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like you said, could be successful, but a lot of the times not. Right, right. Well, where can listeners follow and find you and how can someone work with you? Yeah, so um, p- listeners can find me on Instagram. Um, my handle is chronicpain.nutritionist. I also do have a free Facebook community and this is my birthday month. So I'm doing a lot of events. I don't know where this when this podcast will be released, but people can find me um, on Facebook. Uh, the Facebook community name is Nourish to Flourish Anti-Inflammatory Lifestyle Community. And then um, if your listeners are on Clubhouse, they can find me there too. My handle is autoimmune.rd. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, awesome. I'll put links to all of those in the show yeah. notes. And then I'm sure you publicize your group program and they can reach out yeah. to you if they're interested in working with you one-on-one on any of those platforms. Yeah, so for that, like um, my Instagram uh, bio has like links to join my Facebook group, has a link to uh, fill out my nutrition coaching application. If someone's interested in working with me, I do offer a free 30-minute Um, get to know you call just to learn more about their struggles and their story and see if my program can be a good fit for them and if they can be a good fit for my program. So I do offer that for free. um, So people can always book a call with me uh, after filling out the nutrition coaching application and the link is in my Instagram bio. Awesome. Um, Good for you also for getting on Clubhouse. I I'm on Clubhouse and I hopped in there and I just felt so overwhelmed and confused that I signed out and I haven't been back. So I like gotcha. that you're tackling this challenge. Um, I'll, I'll find you in there and connect with you. Sure. Um, but yeah, good for you. Good, good job of figuring that out. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I appreciate you so much being here, Jennifer, and just, um, you know, speaking specifically to chronic pain management. I haven't had anybody speak about that topic yet. So just grateful for your time. And I look forward to staying connected. Me too. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's a topic that is very, um, it's not talked about a lot, but I'm, I'm trying to be out there as much as possible. And thank you so much for giving me this opportunity um, to share my knowledge and um, more bring just bring more awareness around this topic. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.